Yeah, it was a very strange year. And even even though it put the brakes quite a lot on my kind of personal ballet journey, I think there was quite a lot of stuff, really good stuff that came out of it because early kind of 2020, kind of the, the first lockdown of however many we've ended up having, I think there were quite a few important conversations floating around the kind of ballet Instagram world, certainly about racism, about inclusivity in ballet, about ballet bodies in a professional and non-professional sense and what that means um and I think yeah it COVID as a whole and all of the kind of lockdowns we had just proved how dark and dull things feel without access to the arts beautiful balanced ballerinas. I hope you're all having a super week. Now, before I begin introducing today's guest, I just wanted to say, if you are not subscribed to this podcast, you're going to want to be because I have planned some very interesting, much requested and downright honest solo episodes of the BB podcast, which will be landing in your ears over the next coming weeks. So make sure you hit subscribe on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or wherever you're listening from. And I think the next few solo episodes will spark some very interesting discussions. I'm going to leave that there. Anyway, if you are new, welcome. I am your host, Georgia Canning. I am the founder of Balanced Ballerinas and a qualified ballet teacher of adults and young children amongst a few other things. If you are new, welcome to a space where, in my opinion, everyone is welcome to practice ballet and utilize the grit and grace that it can bring to our daily lives. Now let's jump on to episode number 71 with today's special guest, Annabelle Brittle. I have followed Annabelle's adult ballet journey since she started regular classes in the UK back in 2019. Annabelle became a regular listener of the podcast and through her support, comments and sharing across social media, we began chatting back and forth in our DMs. In fact, if I go back through them now, we've had some wonderful conversations about the positives and negatives of taking photos in class, um, the realities of taking class at home on Zoom, the importance of period positivity, especially amongst young dancers. And we even had a discussion about what to call my seniors adult ballet class, which I eventually just called beginners for so many reasons, but that's a conversation for another time. And we even had a conversation back in March of 2020 where Annabelle thanked me for giving her a shout out. And I hope she doesn't mind me saying this, but she said that after I um, mentioned her name in one of my episodes, she divulged that it was one of her unofficial ballet goals to become worthy of being the subject of a whole episode. So here we are, Annabelle. You can tick that one off your list. (laughs) But seriously, I think Annabelle has some wonderfully balanced points of view when it comes to the world of adult ballet. And in this episode, we cover her famous hashtag, hashtag born again ballerina. We also cover the concept of imperfect practice, how pole dancing has improved her ballet technique and the realities of training from home during a pandemic. Plus so many more relatable and random topics that I think you'll all absolutely love. 
I personally absolutely love this conversation and adore the social media friendship that we've curated over the past few years. And if you'd like to follow Annabelle's incredibly balanced journey with ballet, you can find her on socials at Annabelle Brittle. And of course, you can find me at The Balanced Ballerina or head to the podcast socials, which is at Balanced Ballerinas. I hope you enjoy this episode and let me know if you love this conversation as much as I did by commenting on the Instagram post that accompanies this episode. I'm sure Annabelle will be keeping a close eye on it too and she'd love to say hello to anyone who listened. Have an amazing week and enjoy my episode with Annabelle. Welcome to the Balanced Ballerinas podcast, Annabelle. It is such a pleasure to meet you online, but it's still like meeting. (laughs) Oh, thank you so much. It's really lovely to, well, I was about to say it's lovely to be here. I'm sat in my house, but you know what I mean. <laughs> I know exactly what you mean. Aren't we all sitting in our house right about now? Yes. But for the listeners at home, where everyone knows that I'm somewhere on the Gold Coast in Australia, whereabouts are you, Annabelle? I'm in the UK. I'm in England and sort of the very rainy, very grey northwest portion of the UK near Manchester. Lovely. I um, wanted to have a chat to you because we've been sort of following each other for quite some time now and you have sent me messages over the years and been a huge part of the Balanced Ballerinas community. Whenever whenever your message pops up, it makes me smile. And so I thought I wanted to share your story. Was that hero? (laughs) That was hero, of course. All afternoon, and then he decides to look out the window and bark as soon as our interview starts. <laughs> anyway, what I was going to say was that I just wanted to share your story with the Balanced Ballerinas community because um, I think you have an interesting story to share. So when I look at your Instagram profile, I mean, I just see an incredibly sort of, you know, balanced lifestyle filled with nature and good food, good wine, of course, books, beautiful ballet fashion, and of course, a love of ballet and your cat Merlot, which I absolutely love the name. Like, I'd love that. If I had a cat, I'd call them Merlot. (laughs) But yeah, find the socials. Who's Annabelle and what does she do? Um, well, from a, from a sort of adult ballet perspective, um, I did ballet as a child, I think probably like most people do. Um, but it was just it was just something that I did on a Tuesday in a school hall. And like my mum took me and I wasn't that bothered about it. I think I stopped when I was about eight um, and kind of never really thought much of it from there. And um, it would have been beginning of 2019, I think. Um, I started to hear a lot about kind of bar classes and how that was the next big thing and prior to that you know I I am not into exercise in a kind of formal going to the gym kind of way Um, and I had been thinking you know I need to do something to kind of move and you know do something with my body on a regular basis and I thought you know I'll I'll look for some some bar classes which was horrifically optimistic living where (laughs) I do miles miles and miles and miles away from at the time, you know, big, big major cities like London and Manchester. Um, so obviously there were no bar classes in the area, but I did come across an adult ballet class and I thought, oh, OK. So I, you know, I used to do ballet. Maybe, maybe I'll give it a go. And I literally went for that this first adult ballet beginners class and was just kind of hooked instantly. 
um, I kind of had remembered all of my positions and things and it just felt really different as an adult. So yeah, I've, I've, been, I've been an adult ballerina since 2019, the beginning of 2019. Um, and kind of other than that, yeah, like as you said, I like a bit of everything. I like being outdoorsy, but not too outdoorsy. I like chilling at home with my cat and some wine um, and kind of everything in between really um I've got uh, alongside ballet I've got various different hobbies I love horse riding um pole dancing no, reading. About that later <laughs> oh cool <laughs> good yeah we'll get into that um wild swimming I've just started doing a lot of like open water swimming and as we're going in the UK we're going into autumn and winter now so it's about to get really cold so that was a really bad idea starting that now but <laughs> say I was going to say what is wild swimming <laughs> does that just mean it's just a, <laughs> yeah it's just a kind of it's a I think it's a slightly kind of newish term to essentially describe swimming that is um, to, saying this to an Australian seems absolutely ridiculous but yeah it, any kind of swimming that's not in a you know indoor pool so when you're going in lakes and rivers and, yeah. and the sea and it's having it's having a bit of a moment right now um possibly because of possibly because of covid i think maybe so it's like um, i just you know go across the road to the beach yes <laughs> yes i thought i'd throw that's that. what it is oh my god whenever you post on your instagram like oh good morning at the beach and i'm like oh my god this is you just live in heaven it's it's pretty nice i haven't i haven't done that for a while i actually used to post that because a friend of mine was really sick and in hospital and and she oh. wasn't able to leave and so i used to post that um all the time and what time it was so that she knew that it was a new day and so that she knew um what the weather was like outside because she missed it so yeah that's why I haven't really done it anymore because every time I sort of go to do it it makes me a bit sad (laughs) but yeah so that's that's why I used to do that but anyway but well I love the wild swimming that's Mm. great that's great I mean look you're a bit nuts doing it are you going to continue winter Yes. Yeah. It's, it's one of my, a couple of my friends kind of got me into it really. Um, a couple of weekends ago, I went to go and stay um, at my friend's house and she lives kind of on the opposite coast of the UK, right next to gorgeous sandy beaches. And um, she was like, yeah, do you fancy going for a swim? And it was like half six in the evening. So the sun was going down and it was getting a little bit chilly. And, you know, she was saying about going in the sea and I was like, mm, yeah, okay, we'll try it. And as I was walking in, predictably, I was like, what on earth am I doing? This is so, so cold. What on earth am I doing? I should just turn around and go back to the car and just stay warm. But I didn't. I kept going. And it's such a cliche, but it's really true. Once my shoulders were under the water, it was just the weirdest, tingly, refreshing, invigorating kind of sensation. Um, And we were swimming around for sort of, I don't know, maybe 10 minutes, if that um, and got out and I was so cold I was trying to drink some hot chocolate out of a thermos flask and my hand was shaking so much I could barely like drink but it's super addictive that kind of you get such a buzz from swimming in really really cold water I actually went swimming in a lake the other day and it was so hot outside it almost didn't feel quite as good because the water wasn't that cold and it is that kind of cold water buzz that people talk about Um, that is so yeah yeah cold I mean you know the buzzword for it is cold therapy and yes 
so good for you. Um, mm. Previous guest on the podcast and also my Pilates instructor, Eden Lee, he, um, we spoke about the Wim Hof method and like the perks and the, um, mm-hmm. the you know, um, really great things about just immersing yourself in cold climates and cold water and cold, you know, whatever, how good it is for the immune system. So, no, nope, you're on to something. I'm with you there. <laughs> but- I just might need a wetsuit. <laughs> Yeah, look, might defeat the purpose though, hey. (laughs) I wanted to ask you about the hashtag that sits Uh, at the um, top in your bio of your Instagram, born again ballerina. What does that mean? Um, It's something, it's just a, it's a phrase that kind of popped into my head when I, you, I mean, you, obviously, you know what it's like when I'd started this ballet class and then I thought, oh, I'll post about it on Instagram. And then I found that there's this, you know, huge oh, adult ballet community on Instagram. Although I must say early 2019, it wasn't quite as as kind of big as it is now. Um, and so obviously then you kind of realise that there is this this group of people out there who know exactly what you're going through. And it's very, very easy to kind of get immersed in that quite, quite quickly. And I, it was just a phrase that just popped into my head of like, what, what, what is this? What is a, how would you describe a person who had done ballet as a child um, and kind of quit when everybody else quit because you, you weren't going on to do it pro? Um, but then you come back to it many, many years later, I think it was like 15 years later for me, um, you come back to it and you kind of rediscover this enthusiasm for it that maybe you didn't even have in the beginning when you were doing it as a, as a child. Yeah, a lot um, of adults that I talk to, like adult ballerinas who did ballet as a child, now describe their ballet practice as, you know, that they're, they're way more enthusiastic about their practice mm. now than they were as a child. They actually like really see the benefits and yeah, and almost just appreciate it a lot more, which is really beautiful. And which is why, as you know, I love working with adults. So yeah, yeah, it's common. Yeah, it it was exactly that. Or it was, um, you know, some of the really good friends who I've met through ballet class had never even done it as children. And they were coming to it for the first time as adults. And I was the the phrase, you know, a a born again ballerina. It it just kind of popped into my head one day. Um, And I thought, oh, that's, that's quite cool. I quite like that. And so I started using it on my posts. Um, And then kind of other people picked it up and then other people picked it up and I think it's been used on Instagram over a thousand uh, over two thousand times actually I'm just looking at it now um yeah so you know it's not it's obviously something that that people relate to that that feeling of of coming back to ballet and actually feeling um maybe more at home as an adult more welcome as an adult perhaps yeah no I love it it's catchy it's catchy it is it is born again ballerina I mean I love a good BB obviously Uh, well of course (laughs) it's um no it's a good one when we were discussing um potential topics for like today's interview you suggested the concept of imperfect practice and so what is imperfect practice to you and by the sounds of you know our emails back and forth it seems as though you maybe perhaps had an imbalanced passion for ballet, but now have a more balanced one. Correct me if I'm wrong. Am I correct in saying that? Yeah, no, you're absolutely correct. If you scroll back 
this this is just so typical that like my 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 life is just kind of visible on on instagram but it's it's kind of true if you scroll back it's very obvious to to pinpoint where i started kind of adult ballet posting um and because because i think because the instagram adult ballet community is so huge um my posts started getting way more attention than they ever used to so i kind of got stuck into this cycle of oh well i have to always only post about ballet and i I basically did become a ballet account um and i think partly because of you know instagram is this visual medium where people want to post the nicest photos the shiniest photos the the this is extremely hypocritical because i do this all the time the (laughs) most the nicely curated flat lays you know um so yeah, I, and, I, and I, that's all I was posting about for a long time. Um, and then I kind of had this realization that actually there were photos from my life outside of ballet that I wasn't posting on my Instagram because it would ruin the pink sparkly ballet feed. And then I just had this epiphany that like, <laughs> that is ridiculous. What are you doing? Um, and so that, that, that kind of very small shift kind of changed my thoughts about ballet and prior to I remember prior to COVID I'd kind of had it all planned out in my head in 2020 I was going to be doing at least four or five adult ballet workshops that they were all kind of booked in Um, I'd started pre-point lessons so you know pretty sure that I was going to get on point uh, in 2020 various other things you know you just assume and then obviously COVID hit and all of that sort of went out the window um and gradually over over kind of lockdown and then as we've been emerging from lockdown it occurred to me that actually you don't in order to in order to get that buzz from ballet and we all know what that is it's it's not the Instagram photos it's not what you're wearing it's when you're stood in the middle of of that dance floor and the music kind of sweeps you in a certain way and your body moves in a certain way and you think yes this is that that's the moment um you don't you don't need all the kind of peripheral stuff to hit that feeling so enjoying ballet for what it is and getting you know the most you can out of it doesn't necessarily depend on you have to get on point as an adult or you have to attend 15 ballet workshops in a year as an adult. Um, you can just enjoy ballet for what it is. And if any of that other stuff comes along, then then great. And if that's if that's what you want to do, then then great. But it's kind of helped me throw the brakes on that kind of ridiculous desire to just keep improving and keep leveling up and oh what grade am I at now and oh do I need to do exams and oh when am I going to get on point and it's like actually I realized none none of that to me um matters as much as I thought it did initially and and I love that and it's something really important to talk about I mean today I actually just sent out a newsletter which was all about um, the Balanced Ballerines newsletter and I've decided every week I'm going to sort of start answering a question because I used to be mm. like, oh, what, what can I write in the newsletter this week? Whereas it's actually, I get asked so many amazing questions. And when I answer one on one, there's so many ballerinas that would, you know, probably benefit from me sharing the answer with everyone, if that's obviously okay with the person asking the question. But today's newsletter was all about 
the fact that, you know, it is that ballerina mindset of not being satisfied and always mm-hmm. you know, the person next to you going, oh, are you going to do point or, oh, you're going to do that workshop or that masterclass. Or, yeah. Or exams. Level or, ex- I know, exams. We can talk about that in a second because um, <laughs> I have some thoughts on it and I'm sure you do. Mm. Too. But um, it's really important to actually just stop and reflect on actually how far you've come, but also reflect on why you're doing it in the first place because yeah, it can become quite a vicious circle if you don't just enjoy the habit and the practice and just class, you know, every single class that you attend instead of always mm. forward. So I totally get it. Mm. I think you said earlier that, you know, there's, there's lots of reasons to love teaching adults. Um, and I'm guessing part of that is that kind of that really willing attitude. You know, every adult at the bar is there because they want to be there, not because their mums have pushed them to be there. Um, I do think one of the reasons why as adult ballerinas, we have this tendency to kind of expect so much and push ourselves so much is almost because on the flip side you've got kids in the classroom that are just doing it for the fun of it and they don't care necessarily if their foot has got a perfect arch or exactly if they're reaching the 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 perfect kind of instagrammable lines but that's the kind of stuff that as adults you you do start to worry about and we we kind of have this very grown-up oh, it, it must be, it must be perfect. And I'm, I must be progressing and I must be, you know, ticking things off. I must be proving that I, and it's like, why, why? Yeah, this isn't, if you're not doing it as a, as a professional, it is, it's just a hobby. Um, I, 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 I think there's a lot to be said about kind of not about, about striving for that, that imperfect practice, as I, as I called it earlier. Um, I think it's one of the reasons actually why there's not a lot of photos of me doing ballet on my Instagram feed. Um, There's a lot of pictures of like ballet shoes and stuff. But previously, when I was kind of stuck in that perfectionist mindset, I thought, well, there's no point having photos of me taken doing ballet because I'm I'm nowhere near good enough to get the high extensions or to get, you know, I'm not on point and I can't I couldn't recreate any of these amazing photos you see on Instagram. So what's the point um but then obviously <laughs> as my mindset about that was changing and I, I've done some photo shoots for my uh my ballet studio which was which was really great that's ballet contours um it, that that's kind of changed my mindset and actually I was at the the beach the other day where I went when I went swimming um and my friend's daughter oh, okay. does <laughs> <laughs> my friend's daughter does ballet um and she's eight years old and um, she knows that I do. So she asked me to show her some stuff. So I, I, I kind of was just showing her, you know, like Ronde Jean's in the sand and, and doing a little bit of, I think, I think some of the grade, grade four stuff. I can't really remember. Um, and Ruth, my friend, just took some, you know, quick snaps of us together doing, doing ballet on the beach. And I look back at these photos and they just made me so happy because it wasn't perfect it wasn't in a it wasn't in a dance studio for one thing it was on a beach on a surfboard um and if I scrutinized it no my hands aren't perfect my feet aren't perfect that leg could have been straighter but it's not really about that it was a photo of me doing ballet and my body working in the you know roughly the way it's supposed to work um and it was really joyful and it was really um satisfying actually to have to have not had to micromanage and and strive 
for p- perfection and 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 actually come out with some really beautiful photos of the reality of my ballet practice which isn't yeah perfect and professional but you know neither am I often people ask me what balanced ballerinas even means and I mean it means quite a few different things <laughs> and I'm working on how to communicate that it means a few different things but one of it one of the reasons I chose that name was because it is a ballerina's mindset to typically think about perfection 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 and the problem is that it, it just leaves you quite dissatisfied and it's actually not really yes. for adults or younger students to to sort of be in that mindset and so it's really nice to hear you talking about um, enjoying ballet for just the movement and just mm. you know, letting letting go a little bit and sort of stepping back and and not having that perfection mindset, which can be so debilitating. Because look, let's face it, like you know, ballerinas strive for perfection, that perfect line, the perfect arabesque, the perfect finger, t- you know, fingernail. <laughs> And it's like, honestly, like the detail is so minute, but at the end of the day, it's, you're never going to reach perfection. So, Mm. you know, and I, and I never use that word in class when I'm teaching, I always, I never go, let's perfect this or Mm. let's um, get this perfect or it's close to perfect. Never use that word because I'm really mindful of it being quite harmful, but yeah, I love Mm. that. I love that. Now I wanted to ask you about exams. So was that something that when you first started, you know, getting back into your adult ballet journey that you wanted to work towards and what changed your mind? Yeah, definitely. Um, Especially as somebody who went, when I was in school, I was very um, sort of typically academic. I always did really well in exams. I was very studious. I was quite, quite a teacher's pet probably won't surprise you to find that out um yeah so of course I think as an adult who's gone through like a traditional schooling system we kind of get stuck in this idea that actually exams and assessment are the way to prove to other people and also prove to yourself that you are actually good at something um so yeah I think I think when I started I I did think about oh yeah you know I I want to do my exams and I want to kind of work my way up and I want to get little badges that prove that I can actually do this and and I think I think my change I think my change in attitude to that one is probably laziness I cannot be asked to (laughs) to do that anymore and also with with this kind of gradual changing mindset I don't I don't know I, I I don't know I don't feel maybe it's a bit stubborn. I don't feel like I need to prove to anybody that I can do ballet. I don't think anymore the way that I feel about ballet and what it is to me. And it is just that moment of total release. And you can't think about anything else other than how many tondus you have to do, you know, and then that, that's it for an hour or an hour and a half. Um, I personally don't think anymore that striving to check off exams every single year fits in with my kind of relaxed attitude to to ballet um I think it was just it was just a gradual change and actually my ballet teacher where I go now in Manchester has said a similar thing she said she she gets a lot of people coming to her classes I mean her classes are amazing anyway but she has so many people coming to her classes and stressing about exams and like oh well I you know I 
there isn't even a question about do I actually have to do this which is kind of kind of strange people just assume that if you want to get anywhere if you want to you know do it properly in inverted commas there has to be a piece of paper that shows your progression and shows what you've done and she she sort of says it's crazy to her and she does try to I mean if you want to do exams then fine but she does try to steer people away from such a fixed mindset about having to do that because you're right it takes a lot of the satisfaction out of your practice if rather than enjoying the fact that you did a pretty good pirouette and a half or you know close to a double you're beating yourself up because it wasn't perfect and in an exam you would lose marks or whatever so yeah. yeah And it's, I mean, I get asked all the time as well. And I do find, though, the people that ask to do exams are the ones that actually wouldn't quite understand what participating in a ballet exam would even entail. And what a lot of adult learners don't understand is that, for example, my school-age students doing ballet exams, they work on the same exercises for, like, you know, 8 to 12 months and Mm. every single week. And you know, that kind of commitment can be, especially for an adult that's coming for the joy of like the community and the Mm -hmm. friendship and the ballet buddies that come along and, you know, the coffee afterwards (laughs) and adults, you know, obviously in my opinion are a lot harder on themselves. It can be incredibly boring just to be frank, (laughs) to prepare for a ballet exam. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's a it's a funny one. While you were talking about your teacher, then I wanted to ask, what is what is your teacher's name? What is she like? Uh, why do you enjoy her classes? Uh, so my teacher is called Heather. She teaches at the studio called Ballet Contours in Manchester. Um, what I love about Heather and about her classes is um, she's she is she doesn't do classes for for kids. She is solely focused on adults Um, and that really comes across in her teaching because I've been to various ballet schools before where they are it's it's clearly a kids ballet school and they've just tacked on a couple of adult classes just because Um, and you you got I in previous places I got the impression that we well we weren't getting any corrections it was just kind of being treated as like a you know an exercise class essentially like aerobics um and it it wasn't it 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 didn't feel like proper ballet which now stands quite strongly at odds with me not wanting to do exams and take it that seriously but that's exactly what I was just about to say it is and I because I get asked all the time all the time by other teachers who just teach children you know Mm. How do you teach adults? You know, oh, that seems like a good money maker. And like you say, they just tack a few yeah. classes on to the, you know, and that doesn't work. And then they wonder why they don't have the numbers in classes. And it's because it really is an art striking that balance between mm-hmm. between not so serious that people feel like it's inaccessible, but yes. also not so accessible and so whatever. Relaxed, yeah that it feels like you're just going you know to a very casual gym class because <laughs> mm. ballet is a bit more special I don't know we're probably yeah. biased um but it you know it does require a little bit more concentration and sort of 
you know, I mean, it's art, you know, than than going off to a pump class. <laughs> but yeah, yeah I was absolutely. Thinking, as you were saying that, you know, a listener might be going, oh, well, you, but you just said not to take it so seriously. And here you're wanting a really polished ballet class. And it's like, it's, mm-hmm. it is a real art that I have worked on for like a decade now of trying yeah. to strike that perfect balance. And I tell you what, I didn't have it right in the first few years. <laughs> <laughs> so. Yeah, it, it's, it's, it is difficult to but and and this is precisely why um I loved the first time I went to Heather's uh, classes and have been going ever since um is because uh, I didn't know exactly what I was looking for until I landed in her classroom and it was this amazing place where there was only adults and she is so encouraging and so light and so she's got such a sort of great sense of humor but at the same time she will give you corrections but it's never in like a punitive way it's in like a, I'm I'm trying to you know get get the very yes. best out of you each class um, but only to the extent that you really enjoy yourself um, and yeah it was this perfect balance of like a really nice vibe a really nice kind of relaxed environment but that had a really strong classical ballet foundation. I mean, um, she she um, she mostly does what she would call bar, but it's like it's like proper bar. It's not like these weird bar classes that you see sometimes on Instagram that is like weird claw hands and squats and stuff. It's it's proper classical ballet bar. Um, which she mostly does but then she does do a full ballet class on a Saturday which is an hour and a half long um, followed by a a point class as well Um, so yeah there's there's loads of variety there's loads of encouragement it's a really nice community the studio is beautiful it all all of that kind of came together and made me feel like yes this is my spiritual ballet home this is uh this is the place that really suits me and what I'm trying to get out of it I'm so glad you have an amazing ballet teacher. I think that's sometimes, you know, that's another question I always get is, you know, how do I find a ballet teacher? You know, I I follow your content, Georgia, but I'm not on the Gold Coast in Australia. What do I do? And it is quite hard finding a ballet teacher. And like you said, you didn't know what you needed until you landed in her class and you were like, oh, this is what I want. And Mm. uh, it's funny when you were talking about the bar classes, I always send new clients uh, an email that basically really very clearly articulates that this is not a ballet inspired fitness class <laughs> if mm. you're coming this is a classical ballet class so that's what you need to expect so um, I'm so glad you found that it's awesome it's great it I is should, I should interview Heather sometime <laughs> <gasps> yes you should that's a brilliant idea yeah, I would love uh, that. You'll have to get a touch. I just love talking to other teachers that teach adult ballet too because, I mean, they're getting more popular, but, you know, for a while they're very few and far between. Mm. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that, you two would get on like a house on fire, I'm sure. <laughs> I, um, I wanted to ask, you very briefly touched on it before, how's the pole dancing going? How does that help your ballet technique? <laughs> oh, it's crazy how much it helps. It's really crazy and, and so much vice versa. Mm. Yeah. So the first time that I went to it, the reason why I started pole actually was because uh, during COVID, my the, you know, various ballet schools were still closed, but other 
types of fitness type places were still able to open. So I thought, right, I'm fed up of not having been able to go to an in-person class for ages. Um, I really wasn't great at doing Zoom classes during lockdown <laughs> at all, <laughs> which is crazy, right? I found it so much harder to come upstairs and stand in my bedroom and do a ballet class than drive 30 minutes to Manchester to go and do a real ballet class where I actually have to wear proper clothes. I think um, that's completely normal. I really yeah. do. Yeah, I'm the same. I'm not a good workout from home person. I'm very much, I need to drive somewhere and it puts me in the mindset being in the room. Yes, yeah, absolutely. And and having the, the you know, the teacher app, you know, right there in front of you. Um, and so I, I, I guess it was a little bit like kind of how I got into ballet in the first place. My sister used to do pole. My mum's done pole before, you know, it's just one of those things. And I thought, oh, you know, I'll, I'll have a look and see. And they were, they were running classes um, so I went down and I tried it and I told them that I, I think I, I had my first ever class and the, the woman that was teaching that, she said, are you a dancer? Because what, what what's this? What's this? And I was like, yeah, yeah, you know, I, I do adult, I, I, I do ballet. Um, and a huge amount of pole is kind of that musicality, that awareness of your body, pointing your toes. My teacher now says that she absolutely loves that I do ballet because she never ever has to remind me to point my toes ever it's just an automatic reflex um so that's that, that's great um you do quite a lot on demi point when you're walking around the pole so yeah you know being very very comfortable walking around like that is uh, was also a bonus and um one of the things that I always struggled the most with in ballet before I started doing pole was my arms um you know, have it, having your arms in like a, a proper second position where you're not letting your elbows sag and stuff, man, that is hard. Yeah. And I just did not have that kind of muscular development to be able to sustain that for any decent amount of time. And it was, it was getting there just purely by doing it in ballet, but it wasn't happening very quickly. Um, and there's no way I'm going to go into a gym and start doing like weights and stuff <laughs> at yeah. all. So, um, I noticed very, very quickly that my upper body strength when doing pole uh, was coming along so quickly um, and really, you know, really developing very quickly. And that they, they just go together so well. They just really do. This, this kind of artistic awareness of what you're doing with your body translates beautifully onto a pole and beautifully into a ballet studio. Um, and and it's the same like going for lines and and things when you're you know doing your stuff up a pole is um is gorgeous you will notice that I call it pole dancing as well I don't call it pole fitness um a lot of people try to sanitize it by calling it pole fitness I think because obviously there is the association that pole dancing comes from strip clubs whereas I am of the opinion that there would be no pole as a exercise sort of art form if it didn't originally come from strip clubs and the, and the women who worked there so I'm happy to embrace calling it pole dancing I don't mind I don't I, I don't care if that kind of conjures up some slightly weird connotations in people's heads because it's it's that's just you know what it is I'm dancing around pole what else do you call it exactly I love it I love it I um I'll admit something when I was a young you know <laughs> a young freshly 18 year old you can drink in Australia at 18 and all my friends were going out and clubbing and mm -hmm. stuff 
I would love to follow the guys and go to the strip clubs because A, as a female, you're less harassed. And I just wasn't interested in, you know, I was only going out because I wanted to dance and have a good time with my friends. And, and I didn't even really like going out, but it was, you know, it was just the thing that you do at, you know, mm-hmm. an 18, 19 to about however young 20s. And, um, and I would love just sitting there and watching them. It is mesmerizing dancing. Oh, it's amazing. And it is the upper body strength that is required. And as a, you know, as a dancer, I would sit there and watch and be like, wow, these guys are seriously talented. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and that was like the highlight of my night, watching these dancers. Um, yeah. Fantastic. But I was also telling you about in our email exchange that I've got a friend, um, Ben, who was at the Australian Ballet School with me. And I should, unless you've already come across his profile, I should send it to you. He um, lives out in country New South Wales now. And I don't even know how he's found a pole dance place out there. But (laughs) now like ex-ballet dancer turned like I think he's even teaching pole dancing now and you would mm-hmm. buy the feet and the legs on this guy and the mm-hmm. love that he is making. And it is just the most beautiful like thing to watch, but yeah, no, I'll have to send it to you. <laughs> please do. Please do. They definitely both, both practices definitely complement themselves, uh, complement each other yeah. um, really, really nicely. I'm loving it. It's, it is great. It's such good fun. I was going to ask you about, you've sort of just touched on it, that it was really hard, but you're keeping up your practice during COVID. I mean, you, are you guys relatively all open now? Back to normal? Yes. Yeah, pre- pretty much. Yeah. Because I personally loved when I was running the glass during class <laughs> on my Instagram live and YouTube, when you joined and a couple of others from the UK joined um, and you'd post the pictures. Of, did you end up having a glass of champagne or something at eight o'clock in the morning, whenever it was. <laughs> no, no, we had, uh, it's me and one of my best like ballet friends, Melissa. We, we both said, yep, yeah, we're going to get up really early on a, was it, I think it was probably a Friday morning and we're going to do, we're going to do this yeah. class with Georgina. Um, I had a, a smoothie and she, I, I can't remember what she had, but you guys are all there with like champagne and stuff. And if I remember correctly, the first one you did, you got quite drunk. <laughs> I did. I did. (laughs) No, I think it was just such a weird year. And I just found so incredibly like, I mean, teaching aside, owning a business, like life in general, like it was just so much. And, and I just remember everyone just needed a bit of light relief. (laughs) Mm. And I thought, you know what, I'm going to run because we usually run at my studio glass um, after class so we run like a master class and then have a glass of champagne or something afterwards and it's really lovely one time we made the mistake of doing glass before class that was a bad mistake yep. we only did that once um, <laughs> and then I thought you know what everyone is at home everyone's trapped inside I'm going to do glass during class because you know how much damage can we do and just pop it out there and do you know what's hilarious I keep forgetting that they're still on YouTube and people will occasionally send me a DM and go, hey, Georgia, I just finished. And because I would theme them, whatever the theme was of the class that I did. And I sort of think to myself, I'm like, I hope this random person that stumbled across it on YouTube understands I'm not like an alcoholic. <laughs> that that there, was a, there was a purpose behind this class. Um, but yeah, it actually, I must admit, it was such a sad, it was a really hard year. And when I saw people like yourself around the world joining in, you have no idea how 
thrilled I was and how much it made my week. Those classes Mm. made my week and it was my way to keep connected to the community. And in fact, it actually really built the community a lot because everyone was just like, hey, look at this random chick getting drunk and taking a ballet class on a Friday. (laughs) At one point, my mum was like, do you think we should be doing that, Georgia? Because, you know, we've got, we also have young ballerinas following you. And I had a couple of the parents, I polled it and a couple of the parents messaged and were like, nah, go for it. It's so good. I watch, I <laughs> but I watch and it's, it's pretty awesome. So I kept going, but yeah, I mean, so did you do much practice during COVID or did you sort of just. I oh, I, st- I started out yeah. with, with the best intentions, like everybody else. I mean, there's a, I don't know if you can see, there's a bar. I have a bar behind me. No, with all your beautiful leotards on it. Love yes. it. Yes. Well, it's, it's clearly not being used as an actual oh, bar anymore, is it? Clothes rack. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I I started out with with a very good intentions, and um, thankfully Heather was doing online ballet classes for quite quite a long time, um, and I I stuck with it for quite a while and obviously I did some of your classes as well and I was doing some YouTube videos and things but I was very aware that one of the reasons why I love actually being in class is that kind of social interaction you get um, and also that that kind of corrective um, culture that is in in kind of adult ballet classes is getting your corrections and not taking it as an insult using it as an opportunity to grow and and kind of improve what what you're doing and it's so hard if you're you know your teacher is on the other side of a screen and they can't see your feet because your camera can, can only go so far back and yeah. I don't know it just really wasn't it was quite a poor imitation of my favorite things about ballet I think so I I ended up just kind of slipping out of it but I did I did various other things I did like a four week splits challenge with my my pole um, studio and I managed to get my splits in four weeks which was quite cool so yeah, um, yeah well, I did did various different different kind of things but um, yeah it was a very strange year and even even though it put the brakes quite a lot on my kind of personal ballet journey I think there was quite a lot of stuff really good stuff that came out of it because early kind of 2020 kind of the the first lockdown of however many we've ended up having I think there were quite a few important conversations floating around the kind of ballet Instagram world certainly about racism about inclusivity in ballet about ballet bodies in a professional and non-professional sense and what that means Um, and I think yeah it covid as a whole and all of the kind of lockdowns we had just proved how dark and dull things feel without access to the arts which in itself stirred up quite important conversations about how much we value our creative individuals and our our dancers and our artists and our you know i couldn't artisans in that way Mm. it's like you know you don't know what you've got till it's gone and I'm yeah. finding, you know, um, that a lot of people going to live theatre at the moment, they come back into the studio and tell me, you know, what they did that weekend and what performance yeah. they saw. And, and there's just a buzz and a real lightness and thrill about the way they're explaining the performance that I didn't see before, um, which is really lovely. Um, but, yeah, no, it's been an interesting time. And so 
people. I mean, there's obviously lots of positives and negatives. And one of the positives is that, I mean, hopefully we'll probably all go back to just being ungrateful, but hopefully <laughs> we're a little bit more grateful for, for the arts and, and how special it is. And look, I tend to agree with you. It's such a difficult thing, the online class um, space, because it's opened up some amazing opportunities and it's opened up, I think, about students that perhaps never had access to ballet that now do. And so I always say, like, if your only option is online classes and now there's a lot more that, you know, you can uh, find, that's fantastic. Um, yeah. You know, especially if you're in rural Australia <laughs> and, you know, there's no regular ballet classes, but you can tune in online. That's fantastic. But then I'm with you there's nothing quite like the buzz or as a teacher being able to just connect with someone even just by looking at them do you know what mm. I mean having to say something and just with a really simple touch and and um yeah it's it's I don't really want to ever go back to just being purely online it's um no. it's, it's place but it's there's I love the buzz I love the buzz of walking through a class of dancers and that's what I miss the most so I know exactly how you feel I was wondering as, um, as an adult ballerina, what your items or books that, you know, inspire or influence your practice. Have you got any recommendations? Listeners love recommendations. Um, yeah, I think it, it's funny, isn't it? Because part of the whole idea about what you need to take to a ballet class sometimes does feed into this kind of image of like oh you have to have you have to take a foam roller to class and you have to take all this kind of stuff um for me personally something that I'd never go to class without is a leotard and tights because I've done class in leggings and a vest top and um of course that is where some people are going to be more comfortable so that's fine but I do think for some people if you only go to class in leggings and a vest top because you're worried about you know like oh I don't want people to think I'm taking it too seriously or I don't want people to think it's weird for me to be wearing a leotard and tights and stuff it's like there is a reason why that's the accepted thing for for people to wear and it's because you know when you're wearing tights your teacher can see which muscles you're activating and if you're if you're you know you're doing things in the in the correct way and it it helps them kind of see what your posture really is and stuff and for me when I make the effort to wear the tights and the leotard and you know it's you don't have to go crazy she says with about 15 leotards behind her <laughs> but <doesn't> anything <laughs> it's fine the listeners can't see it it's fine um and I also have an entire wall of ballet skirts just up oh, here oh that's the famous ballet skirt wall I love it it's so beautiful yeah, and I keep I keep kind of accidentally ending up with more. But the point is, you don't actually need that amount of stuff. But it puts me in a totally different mindset when I've got tights, ballet shoes, and a leotard on um, than anything else. So that's something that I would encourage people to try if they haven't tried it before. Um, and other than that, really, I don't I I don't know. I I think that that's as long as you've got your feet and as long as you've got a brain that wants to do ballet, that's kind of all you need. Um, and a good teacher, obviously. Um, in terms of books, one book that I really enjoyed reading during the pandemic actually was Raising the Bar by Lauren Kessler. I don't know if you've come across that. It. 
yeah and it's a it's about um a woman who'd always it's a a true story she'd always loved the nutcracker she went to go and see it multiple times a year every year um and then she had all I think she'd always you know done like pilates and stuff but she'd never done ballet before necessarily but she kind of got this idea into her head that she was going to challenge herself to dance in the nutcracker one day and it's this kind of story of how she quite bolshily approached a, a, a ballet school um, who uh, yeah, it's a professional company who were putting on the Nutcracker and sort of asked to be in it and she got a part in you know the party scene at the beginning where everyone's yeah. kind of milling about and she had a she had a dance to do and it was just really cool reading about her determination to to be part of this show to be part of the Nutcracker and and she did it and and it's really cool so that was that was a nice that was a good read. I love that. That's a great recommendation. Now, you are a listener of the pod, so you probably know what I'm going to ask next. How do you keep balance, Annabelle, in your life? (laughs) With a cat in one hand and a glass of wine in the other. And and the odd uh, swim, wild swim. (laughs) The odd wild swim. Yeah, yeah. I think it totally depends on who you are as a person and what ballet means to you. For me, keeping my ballet practice balance is letting go of that idealism that perfectionism um forgiving myself of having these high perfectionist kind of expectation expectations and allowing myself to just go to class and just have fun in that kind of environment um and fully uh engage in the idea of imperfect practice. I love that that's been a theme of this episode because like I, I don't talk about it enough and it's um, it's probably a topic that's on lots of, you know, especially adult ballerinas' minds and I'm really glad that you brought that up. So thank you. I've really, really enjoyed our conversation today so much. You've just made the rest of, you know, my evening, your morning. <laughs> yeah, I'm about to go to work now. <laughs> Oh, well, I won't keep you then. Thank you so much, Annabelle, for joining me. It was a pleasure. Thank you. I've absolutely loved it. Anytime. 